Chapter Three of the Romance of a Christmas Card. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Allison Hester. The Romance of a Christmas Card by Kate Douglas Wiggins. Chapter Three. Letitia Boynton's life had been rather a drab one, as seen through other people's eyes, but it had never seemed so to her till within the last few years. Her own father had been the village doctor, but of him she had no memory. Her mother's second marriage to a venerable country lawyer, John Gilman, had brought a kindly, inefficient stepfather into the family, a man who speedily became an invalid needing constant nursing. The birth of David, when Letty was three years old, brought a new interest into the household, and the two children grew to be fast friends. But when Mrs. Gilman died, and Letty found herself at eighteen the mistress of the house, the nurse of her aged stepfather, and the only guardian of a boy of fifteen, life became difficult. More difficult still it became when the old lawyer died, for he, at least, had been a sort of fictitious head of the family, and his mere existence kept David within bounds. David was a lively, harem-scarum, handsome youth, good at his lessons, popular with his companions, always in a scrape, into which he was generally drawn by the minister's son, so the neighbors thought. At any rate, Dick Larrabee, as David Sr., received the lion's share of the blame when mischief was abroad. If Parson Larrabee's boy couldn't behave any better than an unbelieving blacksmith's, a Methodist farmer's, or a Baptist storekeeper's, what was the use of claiming superior efficacy for the congregational form of belief? Dick's father never succeeded in bringing him to church, though he's worked on him from the time he was knee-high to a toad, said Mrs. Popham. Perhaps his mother kind of vaccinated him with religion instead of leaving him to take it the natural way, as the old saying is, was her husband's response. The first Miss Larrabee was as good as gold, but she may have overdone the trick a little mite, maybe. And what's more, I kind of suspicion the parson thinks so himself. He ain't never been quite the same since Dick left home, except in preaching, and I tell you, Maria, his high-water mark there is higher than ever. Abel Dunn of Boston walked home from the meeting with me Thanksgiving, and says he, taking off his hat and mopping his forehead, Osh! says he does your minister preach like that every sunday no says i he don't if he did we couldn't stand it he preaches like that about once a month and we don't care what he says the rest of the time well so far as boys are concerned preaching ain't so reliable for behaving purposes as a young good alder switch was the opinion of mrs popham her children being of the comatose kind whose minds had never been illuminated by the dazzling idea of disobedience land sakes maria there ain't alders enough on the river bank to switch religion into a boy like dick larrabee it's got to come like a thief in the night as the old saying is but i guess i don't mean thief i guess i mean star it's got to come kind of like a star in the dark night if the whole village, generate and unregenerate, hadn't a kept on nagging and hectoring and criticizing them two boys, Dick and Dave, carrying tales and multiplying of em by two, as the old saying is, I dare say they'd a both been here yet, 
stead of roaming round the earth seeking whom they may devour. There was considerable truth in Osian Popham's remark, as Letty could have testified, for the conduct of the Boynton-Gilman household, as well as that of the minister, had been continually under inspection and discussion. Nothing could remain long hidden in Beulah. Nobody spied, nobody pried, nobody listened at doors or windows, nobody owned a microscope, nobody took any particular notice of events, or if they did, they preserved an attitude of profound indifference while doing it. Yet, everything was known sooner or later. The amount of the fish and meat bill, the precise extent of credit, the number of letters in the post, the amount of fuel burned, the number of absences from church and prayer meeting, the calls or visits made and received, the hours of arrival or departure, the source of all incomes. These details were the common property of the village. It even took cognizance of the more subtle things, for it observed and recorded the fluctuations of all love affairs, and the fluctuations also in the religious experiences of various persons not always in spiritual equilibrium. For the soul was an object of scrutiny in Beulah, as well as mind, body, and estate. Letty Boynton used to feel that nothing was exclusively her own, that she belonged to Beulah part and parcel. But Dick Larrabee was far more restive under the village espionage than were she and David. It was natural that David should want to leave Beulah and make his way in the world, and his sister did not oppose it. Dick's circumstances were different. He had inherited a small house and farm from his mother, had enjoyed a college education, and had been offered a share in a good business in a city twelve miles away. He left Beulah because he hated it. He left because he could not endure his father's gentle remonstrances or the bewilderment in his stepmother's eyes. She was a newcomer in the household, and her glance seemed to say, why on earth do you behave so badly to your father when you're such a delightful chap? He left because Deacon Todd had prayed for him publicly at a Christian Endeavor meeting, because Mrs. Popham had circulated a wholly baseless scandal about him, and finally because in his young misery the only being who could have comforted him by joining her hapless fortunes to his had refused to do so. He didn't know why, he had always counted on Letty when the time should come to speak the word. He had shown his heart in everything but words. What more did a girl want? Of course, if anyone preferred a purely fantastic duty to a man's love and allowed a scapegrace brother to voice two red-faced, squalling babies on her, there was nothing to be said. So in this frame of mind, he had had one flaming, passionate, wrong-headed scene with his father and strode out of Beulah with traumatic gestures of shaking its dust off his feet. His father, roused for once from his lifelong patience, had been rather terrible in that last scene, so terrible that he had never forgiven himself or really believed himself fully forgiven by God, though his son had alienated half the village and nearly rent the parish in twain by his conduct. As for Letty, she held her peace. She could only hope that the minister and his wife suspected nothing, and she was sure of Beulah's point of view, that a girl would never give up a suitor if she had any hope of tying him to her for life, was a popular form of belief in the community. And strangely enough, 
it was chiefly the women not the men who made it current now and then a soft-hearted and chivalrous male would observe indulgently some of the village beauty i shouldn't wonder a mite if she could a had bill for the askin but this opinion would be met by such a chorus of feminine incredulity that its author generally withdrew it as unsound and untenable it was then when dick had gone away that the days had grown drab and long but the twins kept letty's inexperienced hands busy though in the first year she had the help of old miss clarissa perry a childless expert in the bringing up of babies the friendship of reba larrabee so bright and cheery and comprehending was a never-ending solace there was nothing of the martyr about letty she was not wholly resigned to her lot and to tell the truth she did not intend to be for a good many years yet i'm not a minister but i'm the wife of a minister which is the next best thing mrs larrabee used to say i tell you letty there's no use in human creatures being resigned till their bodies are fairly worn out with fighting when you can't think of another mortal thing to do be resigned but i'm convinced that the lord is ashamed of us when we fold our hands too soon you were born courageous reba and letty would look admiringly at the rosy cheeks and bright eyes of her friend my blood circulates freely that helps me a lot everybody's blood circulates in racine wisconsin and the minister's wife laughed genially yours hereabouts freezes up in your six months of cold weather and when it begins to thaw out the snow is ready to fall again that sort of thing induces depression although no mere climate would account for mrs popham O'Sine said to luther the other day maria ain't hardly to blame parson she come from a gloomy stock the lads was all gloomy root and branch they say that the lad babies was always discouraged two days after they was born the cause of letty's chief heartache the one that she could reveal to nobody was that her brother should leave her nowadays so completely to her own resources she recalled the time when he came home from boston pale haggard ashamed and told her of his marriage months before she could read in his lackluster eyes and hear in his voice the absence of love the fear of the future that was bad enough but presently he said letty there's more to tell i've no money and no place to put my wife but there's a child coming can i bring her here till afterwards you won't like her but she's so ailing and despondent just now that i think she'll behave herself and i'll take her away as soon as she's able to travel she would never stay here in the country anyway you couldn't hire her to do it she came black-haired sullen-faced eva with a vulgar beauty of her own much damaged by bad temper discontent and illness oh those terrible weeks for letty hiding her own misery putting on a brave face with the neighbors keeping the unwelcome sister-in-law in the background it was bitterly cold and eva raged against the climate the house the lack of a servant the absence of gaiety and above all at the prospect of motherhood her resentment against david for some reason unknown to letty was deep and profound and she made no secret of it until the outraged letty goaded into speech one day said 
Listen, Eva, David brought you here because his sister's house was the proper place for you just now. I don't know why you married each other, but you did, and it's evidently a failure. I'm going to stand by David and see you through this trouble, but while you're under my roof, you'll have to speak respectfully of my brother. Not so much because he's my brother, but because he's your husband and the father of the child that's coming. Do you understand? Letty had a good deal of red in her bronze hair, and her brown eyes were as capable of flashing fire as Eva's black ones. So the girl not only refrained from venting her spleen upon the absent David, but ceased to talk altogether, and the gloom in the house was as black as if Mrs. Popham and all her despondent ancestors were living under its roof. The good doctor called often and did his best, shrugging his shoulders and lifting his eyebrows as he said, "'Let her work out her own salvation. I doubt if she can, but we'll give her the chance. If the problem can be solved, the child will do it.'" End of chapter 3